Call America is a history podcast about what makes America great. I'm Carl Joseph Black, a Brooklyn native born into the cult. And I'm Lisa Charlotte, an Australian migrant who totally bought into it from afar. Each episode, we unpack the American way of life from an outsider's perspective, from the Pledge of Allegiance to American exceptionalism and more. We'll dive into the history and share our personal experiences, along with discussion of some actual cults along the way. Listen to Cult America on a Three Springs Media Network, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of That Brooklyn Film Show. On this week's episode, we're going to be looking back at the year 2000 and the summer blockbusters that came out then, seeing as in 2020 there is no summer blockbuster season, so we thought it'd be fun to just kind of go back and see what was the most popular movies of summer of 2000. Um, anything to add, Jabari? Yeah, so um, we saw the movies Gladiator, Mission Impossible 2, and what was the last one again? X-Men. X-Men, yeah. So yeah, I mean, since we don't have a summer blockbuster season this year, it's good to revisit older summer blockbusters, what they mean to us, and what exactly a summer blockbuster is. So yeah, let's get started. All right. Um, I guess one, before we get into the movies, do you think going back and having watched, you know, what was a summer blockbuster then... And then thinking back to, let's say last year, because we don't have, a, obviously, movie theaters are closed, um, but last year, summer blockbusters, do you think that the tonal like types of movies have changed, or do you think it's still similar? No, they're definitely, I mean, there's a similar, similar thread in that it's still the action-adventure kind of movie that's the major summer blockbusters, because all the films are kind of action, they're all action-adventures in... Different a nutshell ways. in different ways yeah mm-hmm. um the scale of them were different now it's more so about the giant superhero films with a ton of cgi and stuff like that versus back then it seemed to be a lot more um well when you think about the movies from back then i think about movies like lord of the rings harry potter and stuff like that those were different than the summer blockbusters you get now which are way more action oriented it's almost like a call back to like 1980s 1990s summer blockbusters Versus, like, a movie we saw, which was Gladiator, was more so a drama epic that didn't have a ton of action. It had fights, but it wasn't definitely the main part of the film. Uh, yeah, I can agree with that. Um, I do think it's interesting, though. Like, one of the movies was X-Men, right? If you look back to last year, I think it was Avengers Endgame. That was a summer blockbuster, so like yeah. a superhero movie. Um, even though they push summer blockbuster back to like March nowadays, <laughs> summer know. blockbusters start when Disney re- decides to release a superhero movie. Marvel film comes out, yeah, that's like okay, it's a summer blockbuster now. Um, and then you'll have like I'm trying to think of a comparison, Gladiator, which was like a Best Picture winner, yeah. and then you had something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which came out in the summer, or yeah. even like a couple years ago with like Dunkirk or something, which are like award winners. Um, were those blockbusters? Like, was the movie like Dunkirk a blockbuster? I guess maybe not a blockbuster, but I'm just asking. I don't know, like the the um, 
sales of the ticket sales of that's true. Dunkirk. So I don't even know if it, yeah, it, it might have been a blockbuster or not. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then for Mission Impossible, I mean, you just have you know the fifty gajillion yeah. Mission Impossibles that have come out. Wasn't there the block? Wasn't the one? Wasn't Fallout last year? I don't think Fallout was last year. I think it might have been two years ago. Oh, okay. Um, but it's still relevant, basically. Yeah. Similar kind of film too, is just differently paced. Yeah. Was back then. Well, I th- for baseball, I don't want to get too much into Mission Impossible too because that's the one I have. I think the most thoughts on, <laughs> but based on all of my like reading about um, Mission Impossible and the franchise and stuff, Mission Impossible Two was like the biggest misstep of the series. It was the worst one. So, so it was like critically the worst film. People, yeah, it wasn't that good. Yeah. Okay. So I think that it wasn't necessarily that Mission Impossible changed all that much. Yeah, that was the weird thing so about it is that, well, that, we could get into Mission Impossible later, but yeah. I remember the Mission Impossible movies being good. Yeah, same. <laughs> and I was like, this doesn't feel as good as I remember. But you said it was a misstep, so that doesn't make a lot of sense then. Yeah, see, because I remember um, saying, like, for me, I'm not big into action movies, um, and I feel like... I mean, Mission Impossible is going to be Mission Impossible. It's going to be predictable. You know what yeah. I mean? But I feel like the other ones were predictable and interesting yeah. versus Mission Impossible 2, which was predictable and not interesting. But again, we're starting to go into Mission Impossible. So I don't know if you just want to go into it. We can start with this since we're already on it. Yeah. All right. So a little bit about Mission Impossible. It's the second movie in the franchise. Um, it was directed by John Woo. And it follows Ethan Hunt, who is trying to destroy a biological weapon called Chimera um, from a rogue IMF agent. And he has the help of a woman named Naya, played by Tandy Newton. And then the rogue IMF agent is played by Dugree. What is his name? Scott, Dugree Scott, yeah. Um, only reason I mentioned him is because I want to talk about the fact that he couldn't be an X-Men because yeah. he was in that and I know he is salty every that. day that um, Hugh Jackman started X-Men as opposed to him um, so yeah let's get into Mission Impossible 2 what were your general thoughts about it um, general thoughts is I thought it would be way more action oriented than it was it felt very slow paced and John Woo style and that it was very like a stylized film that wasn't didn't move forward a lot. I guess like I didn't yeah. find a lot of like I love John Woo movies. Like Hard World is a great movie, but I feel that his style may not have worked for this for particular Impossible. film because mm-hmm. Mission Impossible is about like nonstop action, and it's just about like it's about it's like the pace of it has to be nonstop and frenetic. And this movie didn't feel like that to me. It felt a lot more deliberate, I guess, in the war the wrong way. Like, I didn't want to... Their relationship was rushed. I didn't care about that at all. Um, there was a lot of space in between the big action sequences. Like, the only ones I could really remember was him, like, grappling down that that shaft or something. I forget what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a shootout in... Remember that, that one shootout? That was um after he'd done grappling down and jumped out of the helicopter. Before or after she put the stuff in her... Or like around that same point. Around that same point. Okay. But yeah, I just can't... I don't really remember like much of the plot of the movie. And I think that's a pretty bad thing in a movie with a pretty simple plot. Yeah. And I feel like to me the biggest problem is that like, you know, Mission Impossible or 
Fast and the Furious or James Bond or any of those kinds of movies, you tend to know the general plot thread. It's like, okay, um, you know, you meet with whoever the main character is. They're probably either on vacation or they've left, depending on what number in the franchise they are. Then they get their mission, and then they start going on their mission. They meet a girl, and then, you know, the girl's either important or she's not. She might die. Who knows? Um, And then they start solving the problem, and then they have a setback where you think the bad guy might win. But wait, last minute, bad guy doesn't win. Good guy wins. End movie. So I feel like because you know that's the general plot thread of these kind of movies, you have to make it interesting on the road to getting to the conclusion. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I wasn't interested in Mission Impossible 2. Like, you said, the whole romance with Tandy Newman's character, Naya, was rushed. It was like, okay, he met her. She's a good villain. He sleeps with her. And now he's in love with her. And she's in love with him. And I'm like, but I don't believe it because y'all literally just met. Like, yeah. like James Bond had made... And James Bond, there was never, like, love between them, so it was a little bit more believable. Yeah. It was like, you meet the Bond girl, and he's kind of a known womanizer, and they know he's a known womanizer, so it's like, there's always a certain level of, like, distrust between her and him. him. And this movie's mm-hmm. like, he, she fell in love with him, like, the first minute, and it just didn't make sense. Yeah, and then the fact that the bad guy is her ex-boyfriend, so it's yeah, like, another layer, too. but it was like, this is just too much, and then the face changing, I'm like, I mean, again, this is movie mumbo jumbo or whatever but like that's a what you call it what do you call it again face, uh, well, plot device the, that, i mean my thing is just like and i know it's a plot device but like the changing of heights i'm like if you put a face on it, it's not gonna change how tall you are you know what yeah. i mean it's not gonna change your physical body makeup or whatever so that was kind of like okay this is dumb but um that's not like something to harp on but um i think like yeah, it was just it wasn't all that interesting. I think the the I guess what were they trying to like stop a virus or something like that? Yeah. Um it's kinda close to home right now, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, they ain't stop this virus. Um yeah. it's just it, I don't know. And it just wasn't good, like the action sequences didn't weren't thrilling. Um I was just sitting there thinking Oh, I hope this is done soon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. Any more thoughts? Um, I don't know. Like I said, I feel I remember the movie being better than it is, but it's because the one I remember the most are Fallout and then the one where he was in Dubai, which I feel like were two really good action films. Mm -hmm. So I think that you said somewhere you read that this one is kind of a misstep in the series. Because one was a really good movie from what I remember. Maybe I gotta rewatch one again now after seeing this one. And the other ones are really good. So it's just interesting to see how like a series can have a misstep in the middle. Like it's not impossible for any movie, but I mean for any series. But the fact that it was like one in the middle is just weird. Because usually mm-hmm. it's the last one or the first one that's like the biggest misstep. Yeah. This one's two out of like five or four. Six. Six. Oh, it's wow. got to be a seventh one. Um, no, I enjoyed they were actually movie. in the news because they were trying to blow up some bridge in I think Sweden or something like that oh. and it's like a hundred years old or some like really old bridge and they're like um why would yeah, you money then. blow up a old bridge blowing up a bridge for a movie um, I think it's more than a hundred years I feel like a hundred years is not as long in architecture history yeah. as like other things 
Um, but there was one more thing. Oh, you know what else I think was stronger in the other movies, which might make a difference? It's like the side characters. Yeah. No, so you have like, I mean, Bing Rames is still there. Um, and I feel like he had a one. very small role. Yeah, a very movie. small role, and then you have Simon Pegg. Yeah, who's a in the good newer term, ones, who's like a, character. Yeah, the they have a guy who's supposed to be similar to him, um, <laughs> but I I didn't remember yeah. anything he done did in this movie. I didn't like him. Um, and another thing is the technology. I love watching movies from like this time because the technology yeah. is just so dated, and it's such a big part of the movie where it's like we're zooming in with the satellite. <laughs> it's just yeah. like you know these chunky computers and um you know nokia or motorola cell phones that don't have it's not a smartphone obviously um so i think it's just interesting watching it from that aspect because this is the only one of the three that had that you know focus on technology and stuff because he's supposed to be a super spy all the other ones was like x-men they're superheroes and then um gladiator which is in ancient rome so yeah. therefore you know it's not going to have a focus on technology everywhere um so yeah those are pretty much our thoughts on mission impossible mission impossible 2 do you want to get into x-men next uh yeah we can go to x-men okay so x-men also came out in 2000 as all the movies did as all the movies did it was directed by brian singer um, and it was the beginning of a pretty long-running franchise that had a total of 12 movies. That's a part of it. And I think it kind of... Well, no, there were other superhero movies, but were there other, like... I uh, guess, when did Spider-Man come out? Spider-Man came out after oh, uh, this, yeah. Spider-Man came out in... 2002 so a little bit oh, okay. after but it was still after so x-men is a film where you have a portion of people in the world who are mutants and then you have you know everyone else and the everyone else is distrustful of mutants and you get introduced to the film through rogue and wolverine who are brought into the conflict between the two groups first one being the x-men um who are professor xavier and storm and cyclops and gene gray versus the brotherhood mutant which is led by magneto which consists of toad and saber tooth and mystique mystique um those were the ones that were introduced in this movie yeah so what were your thoughts on x-men um, I enjoyed it a lot, actually. Like, I know it, it, it did, um, superhero movies definitely evolved since it came out, specifically in the pacing aspect. But I still think, like, it's a really good film. Like, if it came out today, I still think it would be received pretty well. Like, of course, things have evolved and things have changed. But maybe it's because I'm so used to the Marvel formula. Seeing something different felt good. Yeah, I agree. I think that this movie holds up very well. And you can see how it became something that kind of kicked off a franchise yeah you know because it does introduce the characters well it makes you care about the characters especially the two main ones um which is rogan wolverine um and overall i think it like stands up against the test of time which is a big thing when it comes to older movies is like does it 
is it still good when you watch it exactly. all those years later? Yeah. Um, or if you watch it from childhood versus to adulthood, um, which is when we would have seen it when we were kids. And I remember liking it, but I still liked it watching it now. And I think the story is kind of like a timeless one of, yeah, you know, there's Magneto's not necessarily evil. He's just like, he wants to go about things in a different way than uh, Professor Xavier. And that's yeah. because he's been jaded by things in the past. So it's kind of like, you can see the two sides of these same people. It's kind of like Black Panther with Killmonger and yeah. um, T'Challa, where it's like, you can see where Killmonger's coming from. He ain't going about it the right way, but it's like a logical mindset kind of in well, a way that he, not logical but you know yeah. what i mean well, magneto was and um i read it somewhere i don't know how true it is but they say magneto and um professor x are modeled after mlk and, <laughs> and malcolm, malcolm x i've x. heard that before yeah too. So maybe it's true like i'm not sure i gotta do more research on that yeah but i could see how that makes sense mm -hmm. is that one is definitely a lot more let's work with them to get what we need to get done done and the other one is like no they're kind of yeah, the reason we suffer so why are we working with them yeah and i feel like um the actor that played magneto does a very good job as at not coming off like as more haha -ha bad guy but nuanced. more so nuanced mm -hmm. yeah i think that's a part, again a part of what makes the movies work is that you want it because if the bad guys of this movie were like toad and saber tooth you'd yeah. be like okay please just die like just go away Versus someone like Magneto, where he brings a nuanced perspective, even with it, you seeing that he was, you know, a survivor of the Holocaust. Yeah, exactly. It brings a nuanced perspective to why he thinks the way he does, as opposed to it being, again, someone like Toad or Sabretooth, where it just seems like they're bad guys to be bad guys. You know bad what guys I mean? are bad guys' sake. Yeah, yeah, where that's a boring bad guy. You want a bad guy that's more... Interesting. I think that's something which is interesting about X Men because I feel like that's something you're seeing more and more nowadays. Yeah, well, what really has see... a problem with that? Um, people used to complain about the Marvel bad guys being kind of boring because they were a bit too baddie bad guy. Like, yeah, Thanos was probably the first bad guy that felt a little bit nuanced, but prior to that, a lot of what? their bad guys were like just bad guys twirling, yeah, yeah, trying to destroy the world or something. And I think that was for a lot of superhero movies kind of yeah, where well, you just have it comes from the comics and that's how comics are they're yeah. very black and white mm -hmm. you're good i'm bad and i'm a i'm ultimately good like there's no and you're ultimately bad mm -hmm. i feel like but i feel like that's not just like a comic thing i think that's like a yeah it's a, a story movie thing. thing yeah so when you have you know either anti-heroes or bad guys that have you know interesting backstories yeah. or kind of reasons as to why they think in the mindset that they do it makes a more interesting story. And I think that's part of what makes X-Men a more interesting story. And then yeah, also the way they introduce you to Rogue's character and Wolverine's character and the fact that you can see for Rogue how her power can be like... Harmful to her. Harmful to her. And also those around her. So she literally, like they said, you have to go your entire life without physical touch because you'll, you know, kill someone or yeah. drain them of their energy or... Um, power. So it's like, yeah, it's a tragic power. Um, a Wolverine who spends his life being alone because he essentially can live forever. Well, you know, he doesn't because, you know, Logan, but he could um, if, you know, that didn't happen. So it's kind of like you can see where both of these characters are coming from. Yeah. Um, and I think 
yeah, I think that overall it aged really well. It was still interesting. The special effects weren't as bad as I thought they would be. It being a yeah, I thought they were pretty decent for two thousand. They didn't rely on them too heavily, which is what I think why they were okay. Like there were some scenes where it's like, all right, this is definitely two thousand. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of the stuff like Mystique might have been a CGI character if she was made today. I know she wasn't because when they did the um, Jennifer yeah. Lawrence version, she, she was, was CGI, CGI. But if it was made today without the reference to the original ones, they probably would have made her CGI. I don't think so. I think they would have probably infused more CGI, but I don't think they would have yeah. made her CGI. That's just because cool. she's pretty easy to yeah. make. I feel like they would have done try to be a little bit more weird. Yeah. Instead of just doing a scaly thing. But yeah. That, yeah I think that's a lot of the... Practical effects hold up pretty decently. I agree. Um, so, is that anything else you have to add about X-Men before um, we move No, on? I definitely would like... It made me want to watch the series again, honestly. Like, I was interested in the first movie. Now I just want to kind of, like, watch the X-Men movies. I'm... This made me interested to see how the MCU is gonna bring the X-Men into the fold. Because you know it's gonna happen. Like, now that Disney has the rights, you know it's it's not gonna... They're not yeah. going to sit on that for, for a long time. So I'm interested to see what Marvel does with the X-Men. I and, agree. Yeah. So last movie we saw was Gladiator, which was probably my... I mean, it's the best movie of the bunch. Like, it's it definitely close. is. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it definitely holds up, and I enjoyed it a lot. So you can start with this one. What did you think about Gladiator? Um, I really enjoyed it. I... I think I've seen Gladiator before, but I'm honestly not sure. The only thing I remember is the scene with the thumbs up, or sorry, the thumb like sideways, and then he points it down. You don't remember the Are You Not Entertained scene? Um, in the are, well, I think I've seen that elsewhere, you know, probably like Most Famous Quotes or something yeah. like that. Not necessarily from watching the movie, but I do remember the Are You Not Entertained? Like, yeah. that's the most famous, yeah, quote from the movie. Um, I... Was kind of surprised it won Best Picture for the Oscars, but I could also oh, see did. how it did. Okay. It won Best Picture and Best Actor. I can kind of good. I think that's good. You I can kind of see how because it is a big epic adventure movie, and not only is it like an epic adventure movie, it also hits a lot of the emotional high Thanks. and low yeah. points that you expect from like an award winning film. I think that. When I went in there, I was expecting fully, like... See, this is how I know I probably didn't see it before. Because I was fully expecting a gladiator movie. You know what I mean? Like, like only, a gladiator fighting. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's going to be a slave, of course. Yeah. And then it turned out, you know, there's this whole backstory as to how he became a gladiator. And um, that's what a majority of the movie's focused on. It's not really focused on... It's focused on him being a gladiator, but that's not the main focus. You're really trying to... You learn who he is... Who he is you learn who he is as a person and that and then you learn who his adversary is as a person as well yeah and that's why you root for him and i think this is a movie where we were just talking about nuanced bad guys the bad guy in this movie is not very nuanced no, he's, um, pretty mustache he's pretty mustache twirly i think they try to kind of give you a reason why he's mustache twirly I mean, I felt bad for him because he was pretty much like, he was like, um, dad, why don't you love me? And the father's like, oh, it's my fault you're a bad son. I'm like, sheesh. He didn't even try to act like <laughs> he loved him. But my thing is, though, the sister wasn't that trash. So, I mean, it's not like, you know. But there's also different expectations for the son and the daughter. That's true. In those but, days. But um, I get what you're saying. He was, 
was he was mustache twirly in that he just was evil. But I think that they try to make him nuanced. But what you played such a good job at playing guys like that. Yeah, I think Joaquin Phoenix did an amazing job playing him. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, you were quite mustache twirly. Yeah. Um, and again, I like my villains to be a little bit more than that. But no, I agree. he did a good job portraying him and trying to put more into this character rather, rather than just the mustache twirling aspect to him um some of the decisions that the characters made didn't make sense like the father being like i want you to be emperor because my son has no morals and then going to the son and being like son i want him to be emperor you yeah, you just say your son got no morals you you really don't think he would like do you win like he did i don't understand yeah, I don't the logic behind it yeah so that didn't make any sense to me but otherwise like Overall, it was a good film. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm thinking about the, again, about the villain and how, like, you literally had this man's family burned. You know what I mean? Like, it was just evil for yeah. the sake of it. It didn't really feel like it was a necessary evil. And I get that he's supposed to be this bad emperor and everything, but it was still, like, a lot. Um, do you have anything... Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed the movie. I said before we watched it, it's like a movie that I genuinely love. Um, it holds up actually better than I remember. Because like you said, I remember it being a lot more action-oriented. And then the drama definitely is a lot better than I remember. So it's one of those movies that as I get older, I definitely appreciate what it was doing versus when I was younger. Yeah. Um, I think there were a couple of things that bothered me about it. One was these couple of shots what? where he was like lying down and he was just like moving. Oh. He was real still. I didn't like that um, as a choice for That's a shot. A choice. Yeah. yeah, that wasn't my cup of tea. Um, but everything else, pretty much I enjoyed about it, except for the thing I mentioned with the villain. Yeah. Um, I think that. It had its epic moments because, like, we mentioned the Are You Not Entertained, which has become, like, a famous line or even the thumbs up or thumbs down thing has become, like, popular. Um, I like the inclusion of black people. I mean, I know they were all gladiators and slaves, but I really wasn't expecting it, especially it being we from the early 2000s. I was like, oh, this is for sure about to be, yeah. you know, fully British people pretending to be um, Roman which is funny to me because I feel like every movie where it's supposed to be like back in the day or whatever, um, they usually use British actors. So it's like that show. There's a show called The Great, and it's supposed to be a Russian show, and everyone somehow has British accents. Oh. And I'm like, this seems like a, a trend for um movie that's supposed to take place with like nobles or historical movies. It's like um it's going to be a British person pretending to be French or not even doing a French accent, but it's like, this is a French revolution, but somehow everyone's British or something well, like that. Well, if you're not, if you're not American, you're British in the world. Pretty much. That's how they try to look at it in movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was surprised by the fact. And again, like I said, the inclusion of them, they were all gladiators yeah. um, who were slaves or captured or whatever, but I still was surprised that they were included yeah at all because i think like jaman Hutsun, his character was like an, he had an interesting backstory about 
being taken from his family and, you know, being taken to a foreign land um, and not knowing if he would ever see them again or knowing he would never see them again and yeah. having to come to terms with that. Um, and the, his, the other guy, his, um, the one who Proximus, I think his name was the one Which who owned him. The, oh, one, um, the one who got freed, who was a gladiator and yeah. got freed. Even he was an interesting character where he started off, as a gladiator, got free, and then somehow became like a gladiator traitor. Yeah, he was so because you un- he understood what kind of where the other guy was coming from. Yeah, fighting as a gladiator himself. Mm-hmm. And he actually seemed to, but he seemed to enjoy it a lot more than um than Maximus. Maximus did because Maximus kind of was forced into it. Then he mm-hmm. just lost his family like a week ago. So, I mean, I think the other one was forced into it too. He just happened to win his freedom. Yeah. Um, and then he understood how it could be a business. Um. But the thing about Maximus is that he, like, inspired people. So he inspired his troops before he became a gladiator. Once he became a gladiator, he inspired the other gladiators to work together. So I think that was supposed to be his whole thing. He inspired the crowd to, you know, cheer because he entertained them. Um, and by, like they said, by holding the crowd, you hold room. Yeah. Um, which was Well, in the end, he he won because the crowd was on his side. Yeah. Because the, I mean, it's gladiator if you haven't seen it yet. Because the king was, like, thinking that everyone was going to, like, root for him. But they were rooting for Max. So then when it came time for, like... Like how you gave him a nickname. Who? Max? Max. Oh. <laughs> when um, they were rooting for him, the king was looking for people to have his back. And they're like, nope. The people don't care for you that much. So we're going to let Max kill you, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I also think... Part of the reason why he ended up getting freed is because his friend felt a friend. I'm using hand quotes here because this guy fully betrayed him, but he felt guilt for betraying him at the end. Yeah. Especially seeing how underhanded. um, I'm just going to call him Caesar because I don't remember his name and that was his title. Uh, How. He was a fake Caesar. Yeah. Emperor. um, Seeing how he fought dirty with like stabbing yeah. him in the side before he even went into the arena. I think that was probably also like a part of what a, a straw that broke the camel's back yeah. in a way. Um, so in the end, the people of Rome turned against the emperor and his, his advice or his guard turned against him. And by that they mentioned throughout the movies, like whoever holds the people yeah. holds Rome. So when he couldn't hold Rome anymore, he or when he couldn't hold the people anymore, he no longer held Rome, which therefore no longer served in the interests of his guards and the Senate and every and his sister and everyone else. Because if he if it was up to him, you know, the Senate would be dissolved, his sister would be having his kid, yeah, all these other things. So they just realized, like, they didn't realize he was a bad person. He just wasn't entertaining them anymore. Yeah, basically. So he died at the end of the day and when they were leaving the arena they left his body yeah. you know like with the other gladiator they were like or with gladiator they were like let's bring him we have to you know give him what he the proper burial he deserves yeah. meanwhile the actual emperor is lying on the ground dead and no one even spares him a, a second thought yeah so i think that was like an interesting um interesting part of the film is that 
looking at it that way, it was just like he never truly had anyone who was loyal to him. Yeah. It was just all because he was in this position and they didn't know what they could do to him. And he yeah. held the people at the time. No, I fully agree with everything you said there. It's, 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 just, it's a good movie. It's very nuanced. There's a lot of um, good drama. There's some of the even fight scenes are pretty decent in the movie. So. Mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed it in general. Yeah. And I do. I think I want to talk about a little bit about something that you said when we were watching it, which was I was thinking of how like we don't really have epics like Gladiator anymore. Like historic epics. Like historical epics. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned that they all moved to TV. Yeah. And I think like that's true because, you know, in the recent years you've had Game of Thrones and you've had... Um, What's another one you mentioned? Uh, yeah, Game of Thrones. I said Vikings. Yeah, there was a show, um, I believe, called Rome. Yeah, they have Rome. A lot of it is on TV now, not in the theaters. And I think part of it is because you can go more into backstory yeah. on TV than you can in a film. Because in a film, you definitely have a tighter window of time yeah. to go into characters and their development versus of series where you have episodes or seasons if you are like a seasonal show versus a mini series to really delve into the characters because i'm thinking of like what kind of character would the emperor have been had this been a mini series as opposed to a movie you know what i mean you could have fleshed him out more you could have made him seem like more of a more than a one-dimensional bad guy i Um, agree but i think in the window of time that the film was given, they did what they could to try and make you see how he became this, or not, they didn't really try to make you see how he became this person, but what kind of person he was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, though, I think those are pretty much my thoughts on Gladiator it was definitely, I think of the three, probably my favorite of the bunch. No, I fully um, agree. And I would, watch it again and I think if I watched it again I would get that same enjoyment out of it that I had when I watched it this time because I am like 50-50 on if I've seen it before because honestly I don't remember seeing it yeah. <laughs> but I might have and I just don't remember seeing it because I remember like I said moments um, but if this was my first time watching it which I'm, it might not be um, I definitely really enjoyed it and would revisit it in the future no i agree i definitely enjoyed it a lot even the second time watching it and that uh, it's it's just a good film like some movies just stand the test of time some movies that stands the test of time mm-hmm. or if it came out today i still think it'll be well received i agree and beloved yeah um so i guess now we're gonna talk about we're gonna have a new segment where it's called our pick of the week and for our pick of the week, we're going to have, it could be a various, you know, a multitude of things. It can be a film that you saw, um, a game that you play. I know you're into gaming right now. Um, a television show that you watched, a album that you listened to, just something, you know, yes. that was, you would recommend that yeah. entertained you this week. So I'm going to toss it over to you and you can let me know what your pick of the week is. Um, I'll just... Say that my pick of the week will be Kim Conveniences because I've been watching the show a lot. It's very entertaining. I enjoy the fact that there's a show featuring 
an Asian American, an Asian American, Asian Canadian well, family. I mean, I'm, it, it, technically, it's North America still. I guess so. Asian American family that is not. It's 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 about their culture, but it's also about their culture in regards to how it feels and what it means to be Asian American. So I appreciate that about the show. Yeah. And it's really funny. I agree. I've been watching Kim's Convenience too. It's not my pick, but I've been watching them almost at the end of it. My pick is, you know, I'm going to be a stereotype here, but <laughs> it's Beyonce's Black is King. Um, for the past few couple albums she's done, so self-titled, Lemonade, and now um, for the gifts she did, um, visuals for all of them. I think that, and even like Coachella, I guess Homecoming is kind of a visual for her performance at Coachella, although it has like documentary um, interviews spliced in between. But I think for each one, it's been so, I guess, well thought out and like well conceived of what she's doing. And with Lemonade, it was like, a love letter to the South and to black women and to who she is and her ancestry versus blackest King, which is like showing Africa in this regal, you know, light, which, um, and featuring Afrobeats artists. And I don't know. I just thought that while lemonade to me, I do prefer, Mm-hmm. I think that Black is King, I, to me, just anytime you can really just see blackness exalted um, on TV or in film or in like a mainstream fashion, it draws me to it. And I think that's what she did with Black is King. My only complaint would be that interspersing of Lion King quotes or Lion King audio yeah. from the recent film because I feel like that kind of takes away from it but I understand it's also a Disney project and it's on Disney plus so that was going to naturally be a part of it probably if she wanted to do it but just seeing like all these black people all these skin tones all these like ranges of shapes and size and all these things in this one film was great and I really liked it I really enjoyed it and I would definitely recommend for if you have Disney Plus to go watch it because, you know, it's not super long and I think overall it's pretty good. Um, I still have to watch it myself. I've seen bits and pieces of it while you were watching. It's definitely interesting. Um, I got to watch it in the whole thing. I don't love the music in it. That's the difference between it and Lem- um, yeah, Lemonade. Is I love the music thing. of Lemonade. Mm-hmm. I don't love the music of this. So I have to actually watch it and kind of force myself through it because the music isn't a draw to me right now. Yeah, I can totally see where you're coming from. Because I'm thinking, like, when I listened to The Gift, I think there was probably three songs I went back to, which was, like, Mood Forever, Brown Skin Girl, and um, the last one, The Name Is Escaping Me. But those were, like, the ones that I would go back to even in this video. Um, yeah. Black is King, where I could, if I could fast forward to, like, the video for Brown Skin Girl or fast forward to the video for Mood Forever, that's probably where I would be drawn to. But I think overall, just as an experience watching it the first time, it's like just seeing, again, this blackness and um, them showing Africa in a light that is normally not shown in. And again, I I have an issue a little bit with it just being general Africa because there's so many different cultures and regions and 
countries in Africa that I don't kind of like the general just saying Africa, but I don't really know where it was filmed or if it was supposed to be a specific culture. So I'm just going to say Africa for now. Yeah, Um, I agree with that. But just seeing the richness of like African culture and again on a mainstream network or a mainstream streaming service like Disney Plus is something that I can get behind, even if it's buying into capitalist ideals or whatever. Um, I can get behind, you know. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, so yeah, so that's my pick of the week, and Jabari gave his. So, do you have anything else to add before we end? Um, not too much. I mean, I enjoy. It's good to go back and watch movies that aren't like old, old movies from like the nineteen fifties, but were from a time that we can still remember and seeing how things changed since then. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to me, because to me, it's like with X Men. Maybe I saw it in theaters. I would have been very young, but maybe I saw it in theaters. With Gladiator and Mission Impossible 2, I know that yeah. I wasn't taking to see that. So if I ever saw it, it was when I was older. So I never really thought probably about when it came out. So now looking back, thinking, oh, wow, this was 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting to to go back to those movies and then thinking of maybe even what would have been the blockbusters of this summer season if, you know, Miss Rona hadn't shown her herself. Yeah. Um, because I'm thinking like you probably would have had like Mulan and yeah, Fast and Furious ones. and, and Mulan was scheduled for the winter basically. No, so Mulan was scheduled oh, they initially it back, for right? like April. Yeah, which I mean that's not really summer, but you modern know, day summer. Mo- yeah, modern day summer. Um, you would have had Fast and Furious, uh, fifty, and all of those you yeah. know movies. So it's kind of interesting to look back and again, like we mentioned see what's similar and what's different between the summer season then versus the summer season now. Because even you would have had a superhero movie with Black Widow. So you're still having that superhero movie come out in the summer like you did 20 years ago. Yeah. And the same, again, I mentioned Mission Impossible and Fast and Furious are similar formulaic kind of deals, especially as they went on, because, you know, it didn't start off the same way. But as they go on, it starts to get more similar in the formula. Um, so you would have had like similar kind of moves. Only one you're missing is the gladiator esque movie. Yeah. Which we don't make anymore. We so. don't make anymore. I guess Mulan could technically be kind of, yeah. you know, historical, <laughs> um, epic. Although that's based off of a cartoon. So okay. yeah. So thank you. That was this week's episode of that Brooklyn film show. And we will see you in two weeks. Yep, we'll catch you on the next episode. All right, thank you. Oh, and don't forget to like, subscribe wherever you can. Bye-bye.